and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. Today we're going to be talking about when God's plans and our plans don't quite line up and also like when we kind of make other things more important than God. Well, what we figured out as we spent all this time together is that a lot of times when we hit these really big walls where we're really disappointed how something worked out or we're frustrated that the plan that we thought that God was leading us in ends up not being the way it goes, that's when we come face-to-face with things that have become idols in our life, things that we're giving more of our thoughts, more of our attentions, and more of our putting more of our trust in these particular things than in the Lord himself. And so that's what we wanted to talk about today was what are some of those things in each of our lives we like to open up and tell you guys what's going on with us and be very vulnerable because we want to build community with you and we want you to pray for us. And as we work through these things. So that's what we figured out we need to talk about right now during this beautiful season of Advent. Well, and not only when we think that we're going down the path that God wants us to go, but also, and then it doesn't work out, that could be really frustrating. But then also having things like the way that you want something to go or trying to go down a path that you want to go and you haven't brought God into the mix and kind of having that distance from him and then you know, he kind of breaks through a little bit somehow. And then it kind of, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have ever had this, but I've had it where I think I'm, you know, doing the right thing. And I haven't really maybe necessarily realized that I haven't brought God into it. Or I know that I haven't brought God into it, but I really want to do this thing. And he might tell me no. (laughs) And and so then he kind of breaks through in some way, a little nudge or something like that that keeps on happening. And I realized, oh, you know, I have to let go of some control here. Because if we're talking about, um, you know, things that we can make into idols that kind of get in the way, control is a big one for me. And, um, you know, I see that daily in my home life when I'm with my kids. And, you know, for instance, we are doing schoolwork, so I homeschool and doing our schoolwork. And, you know, I, I when I get started on a project. I want to start it and I want to get to the end. I want to finish it. A lot of interruptions really irritate me, but I'm at home (laughs) homeschooling one kid and three other kids are running around. So inevitably somebody runs in and screams and tattletales or gets hurt or whatever. They want something. And I have a really hard time letting go and being flexible. And so then I get angry and, you know, I want to stop my feet and throw my little toddler fit. And so I've been learning how to breathe through that and like, just be okay with the mess. Um, And I think one thing that really impacted me and has made me think more about it lately is I was having a conversation with my son and he told me when he was going to bed that, um, you know, he was really sorry that he messed up again. He was bad again today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he just looked so, so sad about it. And I was like, well, bud, he he kind of brought this up before a couple of times. And I asked him a little bit more about it. And, um, you know, told him, you know, we shouldn't dwell on things that we've done wrong. Like, we realize that 
you know, we, we realize that we've done the wrong. We apologize when we need to. We make up for it when we can. And then, you know, move on and ask for forgiveness, forgive yourself, all of that. And it, see, it still seemed like it was really, really bugging them. I had been noticing that I really need to not be so quick to anger around my kids because then I'll mm-hmm. yell. And um, I asked them, you know, when I yell at you for doing something that I don't like or that, you know, that you've done wrong, do you feel like there's something wrong with you? Because the conversation was kind of steering this way. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just absolutely broke my heart <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that I made him feel that way. And I didn't realize that I was making him feel that way. That because, like, I have that, that aisle of control, and when things don't go my way, I throw my fit and I yell. You know, and I, I told him, you know, I'm, I'm learning to walk away when I need to. I'm learning to stop and take a deep breath when I need to. And he sees these, these things, or he saw these things, as, oh, mom got really mad at me for doing something. Like, what's wrong with me that I keep on doing this to her and, you know, causing this reaction in her? And then he feels bad about himself. And I didn't realize that I was causing that wound over and over and over again. And so, you know, I I made sure to tell him that, you know, my trying to control my temper and learn to walk away and all of that is my problem. It's not yours. That is a mommy problem. There is nothing wrong with you. And he seemed to feel much better Mm -hmm. after that. But um, I think it's one of those that. If we don't let go of those idols, it doesn't only affect us. It affects yeah, the people around us. Absolutely. And for me, when I've when I've realized that, and this is just kind of another step in learning mm-hmm. how my my issue with control um, and wanting things the way that I want them, it's it's another step in learning how that's affecting the people around me. And so it's just kind of another motivator for me. But doesn't make learning and getting over bad habits easier necessarily but I think it brings more love into the situation because I want my family I don't want my kids to feel like there's something wrong with them you know that they're they're bad they are bad because I have an issue with myself like that's on me it's not on my kids I think it's hard to because some personalities just take things differently and more personally any kind of criticism there are just people that are born who have a certain personality that when you say anything about anything they do or anything they've done or something they said, they take that into their identity to their core. Mm-hmm. And it, and it really does. And some people are just like that. And it not necessarily because of trauma, but because of who they are. And I have one of those in my house. I have a kid like that in my house. I'm that kid. When mm-hmm. I was little, I was, I was that, that kid. kid too. So I think that, Part of this is that is so beautiful listening to you with your kids is that you're always willing to adjust based on what they say to you. And you're so humble to admit to them, this is my problem. That's beautiful. And you're teaching them how to be that way with their wives and their husbands. And like, what a gift that is. Like, I wish I was that open hearted and self-deprecating with my children that often as you are. I am sometimes, and I do admit when I'm wrong, but not like, it just feels like I have so much to learn from you in that field. I mean, I definitely struggle with it sometimes. I'll say something and I'm like, you know, I I shouldn't have done that or I kind of regret that. And I'm like, no, they deserved that or (laughs) that was warranted. Well, sometimes, you know, part of our job as parents is 
teaching our kids how to be responsible and respectful. And sometimes they aren't listening and are sometimes like, or sometimes they don't hear you because they're in their own little world. Mm -hmm. I've had to ask my kids several times, why is it that I've asked you nicely four or five times, but you don't even respond to me until I yell. Like, so we've talked about that too. Sometimes it is, yes, we can respond harshly quick, you know, and that's wrong. We apologize for that. But Every time, I don't think every time we yell is always us, if that makes any sense. I think sometimes there's, sometimes it is the kid, like the kids needs redirection and they're not, pay, they're not responding to calm ignition of that redirection. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think for me though, it's just a matter of, I really, really am striving. I really want to, and I'm not striving very well. <laughs> I shouldn't say striving. I'm, I'm trying to strive. I like the idea of striving <laughs> to act out of love in every single thing mm-hmm. that I do. And when I'm yelling at my kids, I'm not mm-hmm. doing it out of love. I'm doing it out of anger towards them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is such a thing as righteous anger, right? And trying to redirect your children for sure. But I, I, I'm, I'm trying, I guess I'm trying to figure that out when it's righteous <laughs> and when I'm like, you know, it's not and righteous. I, and I don't know if, if righteous anger is necessarily the right term for like when your kid is not listening to you. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, you know, being righteously angry about an injustice. No, but that's not necessarily an injustice if your kid is just not doing it's what injustice you want. towards me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and the control that you have, you know, yeah. that idol. You are um, unjustly affecting my control of this situation. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I, I think it's I love that you said I'm trying to do everything out of love. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Because sometimes you're yelling out of love. Hear me out for a second. Sometimes you're concerned about your children's moral character and it's making you very concerned and emotional and you might yell in that situation, but it is coming from love. And that doesn't mean the yelling is okay. I'm not saying you get a pass for yelling, but I think that that's a great philosophy to, to check yourself. Okay. Feeling a little heated here. Am I acting in love? Sometimes the answer might be yes. You know? That maybe you're maybe a little too hard on yourself sometimes. If you truly are trying to do the right, your frustration is coming from a place of love. Like even taking this out of the mom realm for a second, we've had saints do this to popes. I mean, right, so right. I mean, like, I mean, like you know, like um, Saint Catherine of Siena. Like, yeah, you need to move, move back, back to, Rome to Rome now. And like, you know, and so I mean, there is a time to when. You love somebody and they're not responding and you know that it's the great, like, I have to shout it from the mountaintops at you because you're not hearing what right. I'm saying. Like, this is the right thing to do right now. That's and beautiful. so, yeah. but like. This is the right thing to do right now. Even to use those words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, but, I think I asked my kid the other day, I said, are you, in the three seconds it would take you to obey Jesus right now, are you telling me that you're not going to do that and you're going to go over here and do this instead? Now, that sounds manipulative. I know. But we were, we were at the end of our rope. We were where you're talking about where nothing was working. <laughs> and like, you know, so it's just, I think we do have to speak the truth to our kids and be like, hey, you are a Christian. You call yourself a Christian. You must obey your parents. It's important, you know, for your moral character. And I know that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about when you're just mad that things aren't happening the way you want them to. We hear you. We're not trying to... I just that I think anything, sometimes but. we think that we're yelling that all of it is bad and right, all of it's from right. a bad place and all of it's from an unloving because we might feel a twinge of anger because 
we want what's best for them. And when they're doing things that aren't best for them or for their family or then it does make us angry. But even God had like a loving wrath Mm -hmm. at at times. And so like, like I like how, you know, Lauren pointed out and you said about the, am I doing this out of love? And I think that that's really the main question when we are losing control is, is this, Coming from a place of love, is this reaction the one that is needed right now? Because sometimes yelling is not. Kids running on the street, you're like, oh, sweetie, please don't do that. Stop. You have to yell because they're not doing like what they're not. Okay, I'm running into the street. Here comes a car. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are good times to yell. And and startle and get attention attention. of. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think like what you're saying, like we have to think, is this coming from a place of love? Because, Mm -hmm. but we can't think that every time we yell at our kids that we're some sort of horrible parent. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we get lost in that trap. And I think that that's part of the idol is that we're trying to be a perfect parent. There you go. I mean, I, yeah, and as you're talking, I think that is true for me. Like, I, I, I have this idea of, like, I want to be slow to anger because God wants us to be like him, right? Like, I want to be slow to anger like he is. and I want to be do everything out of love, and I definitely don't do those things. And so. I mean, but God it, kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden out right. of love. Yeah. Like, he banished mercy. them. Yeah. And, and, like, the punishment isn't always for coming from a bad place. Right? Yeah. Oh, right. oh, I mean, that was a mercy he, yeah, he did for mercy. them. Mm-hmm. Well, and I will say, and it's, and it's something that, though, that I think when you face your idols and you try to be, when you try to kind of rid yourself of those idols, because it, it is like being quick to anger, having that control of like, I want to do things my way. I don't want to be interrupted. Those are, those are idols for me. And maybe I go a little overboard with like being critical of myself, but those are, I know, are idols of me, but then... I think when you try to bring God into the mix, that's when you can kind of get rid of them. And it, it is, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but like I've gone through stages. Like God has brought me through stages of learning how to kind of let go of that control and let, and it's gotten a little better and a little better and a little better. And sometimes I get frustrated. And I'm just like, God, I gave this to you. Like, I don't want to be the way that I needed you to go ahead and take that. That control, (laughs) that control there. But it is interesting because that that brings, I guess, to another like aspect of that control of just like wanting the solution to be the way that I want it to be, wanting the timing to be the way that I want it to be, wanting, you know. But I have been learning that God has this way of, you know, he's slow. He's slow to work and his timing is perfect. You know, and therefore it's perfect for us. But in my mind, it's going so slowly. But I think I, I was reflecting on this um, a little while ago about, well, why why doesn't just God just like snap that finger and whatever it is, that idol that we have in our lives, that frustration, that, that difficulty, that suffering that we have in our lives, why he could if he wanted to. He could just snap his fingers and it would go away. But why doesn't he do that? And I think it's because we... If it could just be switched off, we could so easily switch it back on because we never learned from it. And so God wants to walk us through that and teach us as we go. And so that we, when, when that opportunity comes to switch that idol or that difficulty or whatever that sin is back on, then we go, oh, yeah, I remembered that. And we, you know, 
stay on the right path. Yeah. I want. I know that I definitely deal with that same idol of control. Like it's been a major issue for like all my life. Um, and part of it is just personality, and part of it's a learned thing because that was something that I know my dad really struggled with as well. Um, but just I was just like reflecting over just different things like where that has come up in my life and like my plan when I got married was to have babies like right off the bat like that was like oh yeah I got I'm gonna be open to life let's do this thing and then we had five years of infertility so God's plan was definitely not like what I had like anywhere close to my plan in that um I remember just like having moments of such anger um that it was so easy for other people. And like, and I know that like there's a lot of people who really struggle with the opposite of that and the hyperfertility. Um, and that same, you know, type like with that same is like it's so, you know, well, it's, it's easier for other people to to um, practice natural family planning or to space kids out. Like, why is it so hard for us? Um, and, you know, being, you know, trying to understand like, why God are we, like, why are you doing it this way and seeing what is your plan in this? And um, when I finally did get pregnant with my first, a few months later, my dad died. And so I like so many times, like I'm looking, like I can look back and see all these times where I have put con- like that control, like and tried to, and continuing. It's like it's never going to not be an idol of mine. I think like it's like God is just constantly like, I'm going to tear that down, <laughs> work on it different ways. Let's go, go around this corner, and we're going to you know build that in there. You know, to try and work you and work on you in that way. Right. And so, but looking back, I'm all, I, something I've always feel like I've been able to do. Like I have always, I have a hard time seeing God in the moments, but I can look back and see, like, I looked back and said, okay, well, the reason that God waited for us to have kids, for, you know, ha- had that time was I would not have been able to take care of my dad in that same way. Um, and the reason, you know, part of the reason why he died when he did is I would not have been able to take care of him in the same way with our children. And I've, I've talked about this with my kids before. And my, I may have mentioned this before in the podcast. I can't remember, but my seven year old has, a, he's trying to understand it. He's trying to understand it. And he's just looks at me mom. So you're happy your dad died, right? <laughs> I was like, that's not exactly what I was saying, but it's more of, I see how God, why God did it in that time. And, you know, so then, then, you know, that happened, and then, you know, my next plan is, okay, my kids are going to be perfect. They're never going <laughs> to, you know, disagree with me or argue. I'm never going to yell. I'm not going to, you know, um, put the fear of God in them the way that my dad sometimes did. <laughs> and, you know, obviously that, that you know, God gave me some very defiant children. Um, <laughs> and I've really struggled in the past few years with one of my kids in in temperament because we have very similar temperaments <laughs> that's a problem and then you know and you know plan I have this like you know this idea that that you know like we talked about the perfect children and like my the perfect husband and in that and the perfect family and this idea that like my family is this is how we are and you know everything's you know great and I feel like I have put my family and almost as an idol in my life so with all this, like, the control idol for me and seeing those things, like, I can see in the past, like, I always, like I've been able to see in the past, okay, God moved in my life there, but I struggled 
for years with seeing God in the present, realizing that I'm not really feeling God in the present. And I've talked about this, um, recognizing that my like root sin sin is sensuality and wanting to feel like God all the time, feel like all the feelings. But I was praying for God to reveal himself to me because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't feel him. And then something happened it both in a way like tore down that pedestal, that idol that I like that I had. No, but in that, I felt God. That mm-hmm. was when I felt him in the moment. And I know that that is important and that is good. But I find myself so many times angry, so angry that that's how God showed himself to me. Was in a hard time like that. And it's like all these times of God comforting people. And I felt him in this time of distress, I guess. Like, not just, not not in a comforting way, though. Like, it was like, I mean, kind of. Uh, one sentence in the Bible, an entire oh, sermon, said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he made a whole sermon about that. <laughs> <laughs> about how when the kings come falling down, when the kings that Israel had demanded God gave them instead of the judges that he had wanted to provide for them. That is when that person experienced that encounter with God. And he went on to talk about the kings and the idols in our lives and about how sometimes it is in the crumbling of those high places that we've built up as the person to look to or the thing to look to or the thing to do when those crumble. And it is literally us holding on to God and God alone, that is when we experiencing him, experience him. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably that's beautiful. really common. Yeah. I think oh, that's yeah. really common. I know it is. Like, I, I mean, because I see myself, like, in, in a different way, though. Like, it's, you know, I putting our families first, like, before, you know, our, our, our schedules. You know, we're talking, you know, we, we put our, there's so much talk about, um, what is it called? Like, a... Drinking from your cup first. What is the term? Like filling, filling your cup, your cup yeah. first, not drinking yeah. from your cup. Pouring from an empty cup. <laughs> yeah, from an you empty have cup. to have a full cup to fill others. Yeah. Right. And and I think that a lot of us. Because mothers pour from their empty cup. All oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that has been filled with backwash from the top. <laughs> <laughs> Old coffee. All the chunks. <laughs> She says that because I'm drinking cold coffee. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, but I think that as I mean, I don't. I, it, it's not just mothers, but I know all mothers definitely. But I think that this is relatable for for women, uh, you know, of all stages. That putting family or friends mm-hmm. as as idols Absolutely. in like in like in that you're putting. We find ourselves, you know, comparing mm-hmm. that comparison to they're better than us so I can never be that good or putting it like I have to do all of these things um for these people and you forget to put that relationship with God Mm -hmm. I'm glad you had said something about comparing because I've been thinking about the whole time that a lot of times we talk about well you can't compare yourself to somebody else's your life to somebody else's life because their plan got the plan for God that God has for them isn't the same as what he has for you But I think a lot of times, you guys have been talking, I've been thinking about this, that it's not necessarily our comparing to others. I mean, that's important too to not do that. But I think we form this perfect image of ourselves or the image that we want for ourselves. And we compare ourselves now to the image of what we want to be. And I think sometimes the image of what we want to be 
isn't what God mm-hmm. wants us to be. And I think that's where we're, that's where we're falling short. And so we, we make these, um, oh, I want to be a hundred pounds or 50 pounds or 20 pounds lighter. I want to be, you know, have the perfect husband or, or, or my husband should be praying with me every night or my kids should listen to me and our homeschool should go perfectly or my kids could go, you know, get straight A's at school or whatever. You know, I think we just have this image of what we expect in our family life to be and for us to be. And that's not what God has planned for us. I think that's where we, mm-hmm. I think maybe that image of ourselves is sometimes the idol, not the comparing what somebody else's life. We do that too, which we need to be cautious of, but. I think when we start comparing what we want our lives to be and what they are, mm-hmm. I think that, that can be a slippery slope as well. Oh, yeah. I think that's absolutely true. Well, and I want to go back to just something. Stop me, Annie, if you don't want me talking about what you said about the feeling angry. Depends on what you say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so we'll cut it out if you don't mind. Okay. <laughs> so going back to what you were saying, Annie, about, um, about, you know, feeling that anger about like God revealing himself to you in this particular way that he revealed himself to you during this very difficult time in your life. I, I have, I think that God, I think that it can feel that way because we're like, okay, well, what like you had to make this thing happen in order for me, for this thing, for, for you to reveal yourself or for you to show me this thing this lesson in life, why did it have to be so hard, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, why does it have to be so hard? Why did it have yeah. to hurt so badly? And I know that I felt the same way too, and I've asked these same questions too. And I think something that God has revealed to me is that, that it, and I think it, it is a hard teaching, that God, he doesn't will these bad things to happen, but he right. does allow right. these bad yeah. things to happen. So whether it's something a choice that somebody has made that has affected us, a choice that we have made that has affected us or anything else that has happened. He allows these things to happen and then he uses those as opportunities to come to move in. Right. And something that um, was shared with me a while back was like, you know, because especially with having this like issue that I have with being so, I don't know, sensitive to like needing to feel the feelings um, is how important that journaling is. And I suck at it. I really hate journaling. Like when I do it, it's great, but I hate it because, um, but the reason why is that so that when you are having those feelings of consolation and having those times that is documented. Yes. So that when I go back, when you go back and you're having these, when I have these like moments, like I had one recently where I was just so upset. I can go back, you go back and you read through and you mm-hmm. see, okay, this, nope, nope, God hasn't abandoned me. Okay, right. like, it's well, just me right now being in this dark place and I need to say, God, all right, uh, no matter how I'm feeling, you're still taking care of me. But you're that st- also is biblical. I mean, in, many times in the Old Testament, God told the people, write this down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Write this down. Make an altar of when this happened. Make a memorial of this time. That is a move of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's telling you, I am trying to help you cope. I'm trying mm-hmm. to answer your question here. You you are a person who needs to revisit. That's just who you are. Well, and I mean, yeah. I think as a people, just like we are so easy to forget. Yes. You know, talking mm-hmm. about biblical times. So looking at the Israelites when they first <laughs> came out of Egypt yeah. and they're like, if you would have just left, left us in Egypt. 
They so were under harder. this horrible persecution yeah. mm-hmm. and slavery, brutal for slavery for 400 years. years. Yeah. And they were like, why didn't you just leave us there? We right. would have been better off. And then God and God has done all these beautiful things for them. He made these miraculous signs. My kids are so frustrated with the Israelites right now because we're going through this. And they're like, oh, my gosh, Mom. And it is frustrating us. reading it, but it is us. Yes. And so, and I think that's one thing with God is that he has this way of, you know, if you can write it down and you can look mm-hmm. back at it. Or you have this really, really difficult time in your life where an idol has been torn down and it's painful. And I think when God moves in and he uses that as an opportunity to move into your heart, I don't know. One thing that I've learned is just how beautiful it is. Like it can be unbelievably painful. Yes. But I have learned how beautiful that pain can be because, and it sounds so weird, but it can be beautiful pain because it is a pain that is from, it's that, like you talked about more and over and over, that chisel, Mm -hmm. that chisel Mm -hmm. that hurts, that hurts to get chiseled at and, and everything, but then God's replacing that broken piece in you that he took out right. with himself. And so, and and when you can do something like write it down, mm-hmm. you can look back at it, you know, or you can try to see God in the moment and go, wow, like, you know, this is a really hard thing to do to see him in the moment right now during this particular thing that I'm going through or whatever. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Wait, this so, is, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well... So this whole time they've been talking, and even kind of beforehand, this is, I've been over here doodling for a good chunk of our conversation. And and Alicia just gave me the right place to come in. Because the breaking, when you say we have these broken pieces of us and God fills himself. And I know I've talked about in a previous podcast about the Japanese are of Kintsuki, mm-hmm. which means golden journey. It's this uh, repairing of broken pottery by mending the areas of breakage. And so, well, the other day we had our family faith formation class, actually, I guess it was yesterday, and Father talked about theosis, where it's the process that God fills us with himself to become more like him. And he talked about St. John Bosco and how he related this idea of theosis to running um, kind of like water starting up in the mountains and then making its way to the ocean and how it gets makes more space and more space and more space. And as Father talked about that, you know, I'm a science person. So, of course, I'm thinking about the water cycle and <laughs> and how, like, you know. Like one does. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, but it really actually really fit well with what we're talking about and what Father was talking about. This whole, like, God uses these moments that we break to fill us with himself. So think of God as the water. And so we have these bigger breakages and these bigger breakages, and he fills more of ourselves with us. But then, like the water cycle, the sun then takes that evaporated, evaporates that water and takes it and then puts it kind of back. And it's not necessarily the same starting point, but it's a new, like he took you from where you were. And now you have a new starting point. Mm-hmm. And then it all kind of happens again until you are totally filled with him. Wow, you are a nerd. And so, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's, that's beautiful. That's, that's beautiful. beautiful. That is very beautiful. But so, like, I think that when we have these moments of breakage, when God, we have these idols in our lives and God kind of, you know, slaps us in the face and tears them down for us and fills us with him, that it's this big opportunity to allow him in because i think that's really what those th- those times are 
is we get a choice at that point of do we let him in or do we make the choice to turn away, which has been the whole thing from the beginning. We either choose to be with God or we choose to be away from him. I think we also have this sort of weird, I don't know, evangelical something idea. We're supposed to be grateful for these terrible things that are happening in our lives. We're not. And we have to reject that. Our Lord asks us to seek his company in it so that he can infuse it with his life and make it do something. Um, and you have to wait years and you may not even see it. I think about like St. Um, I've been reflecting a lot about St. Zilly Martin mm-hmm. and that, and you know, she died when, Saint, when St. Therese was, was she three, four years old? I can't remember. Yeah. She's really little. And, you know, she didn't live to see the fruit of her mothering, I guess you would call mm-hmm. it. Like she didn't live to see all her daughters grow up and become the saints and blesseds and, you know, I mean, these women or her, you know, and to, and her husband, she didn't see that. All she saw was what that little bit that she had on her. And that's what we see. If we are constantly putting other things above God, you know, our, our plan and our idols first and refusing to acknowledge that there's any other plan that could like that God doesn't have, you know, in, that, that our, our ideas are going to be better than God's and not seeing those little ways that I don't know what I'm trying to say, but the kind of um, going back when I was talking about like allowing God in or not. Um, and then we kind of continue the discussion. Ness, I kind of, Annie kind of put that like exactly what I was trying to say. Like not, you know, we don't letting God in doesn't have to be joyful. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've heard Alicia talk about lots of times on this podcast where she's struggling with some time and she's kind of angry about it. She goes, okay, I'm going to let you be here anyways, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> like that, you know, sometimes, you know, we don't have to be mm-hmm. happy about right. this, this breakage that happens in our life, but allowing God to be present there yeah. and be with us. And that's also something we've talked about, like, we are in this journey together and God is the leader. And mm-hmm. so like, so letting him be there and just his presence, we don't have to talk to him. It's like the, that cartoon where the old couple is on the bench and it's raining and they're obviously just have fight, but the old guy still holding the umbrella over that. the woman. I love like that so much. I'm mad at you, but I still love you. And I'm going to, I don't you. feel it right now, but I'm going to protect you and I'm going to let you be here. And, um, so the breakage doesn't have to be a joyful thing, like you were saying, but we have a choice on how we react to, to mm-hmm. his presence with us and letting him fill us or, or not, which is part of his mercy in the first mm-hmm. place. I mean, that was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, I know that before we actually started recording, we had set, talked about like a couple of different idols mm-hmm. and it seems like during this podcast, we really mainly really only talked about control and so it seems like that's kind of like a foundational mm-hmm. kind of idol in your life, regardless of what it might be. Like if your idol is your phone and being online all of the time, if it's, um, I don't know, if your idol is food, if you're like the thing that you put above God is something else, like a material thing, mm-hmm. you know, it's still having that control over the thing. If it's productivity. Right? Well, that's, yeah, I was going to say that it really does come down to control because I would say that progress and productivity are probably 
two of mine. And it's a sneaky and scary one because it isn't always about getting stuff done, but about forward movement. And I'll find myself getting super frustrated with the, the people in my house when I don't see them progressing spiritually the way I want them to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know what? That's real. That's Including real bad myself. on me. <laughs> That's bad on me because here I am as a teacher who teaches moms how to be more merciful <laughs> in their houses and in their homes and their families. But I am idolizing that teaching sometimes when I place the teaching above being present. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. When that picture perfect merciful mama that I want to be in my heart becomes the goal instead of actually being merciful. And I know that sounds weird, but it, but it, but it can (laughs) Mm -hmm. in a weird sort of twisted way, how I perform this performative mercy, if you will, mercy becomes bigger than the actual being present. Does that make any sense? I know it sounds crazy. So I get frustrated but that is also control. I have like this running ticker in my life. And at the end of the day, I start going through all the ways that I failed as a mom when I'm laying. And it's so ridiculous. And I sit here and I teach women not to do this all the time. And I'm still tempted every single day to do it myself and I have a choice. So this is an active thing. You know what I mean? Like it's, I think also, and this is another important thing that I was realizing when you were talking, Stacy. I think a lot of, idols happen when our actual good impulses, good impulses towards holiness or to productivity or progress or to self-control or to controlling our homeschool room and making sure that things are going the way they're supposed to be going. These are all good impulses. They become destructive when they're not reined in by virtue, when they're not being fed by virtue and they're being fed by our own ability. Mm-hmm. So, I know that's what's happening for me because I have all these things that I want to do well because the Lord has called me to do it. But if I'm doing it in my own power, there's no meekness there. It's all my power. Mm-hmm. And meekness is power under restraint. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, you need God's grace in order yes. to do it. That supernatural grace that you need in yeah. order to reach that perfection that you'll receive in heaven and get as close as you possibly can here on earth. You yeah. can't do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned social media. I wouldn't necessarily put like, you know, when people talk about the social media being like the idol, again, I think it's more about the control of, I don't have to deal with any, because that's what Mm -hmm. happens. It's after the kids go to bed, it's quiet, and I have control over having to do nothing. I can just sit there and it's not that I want to be on Facebook Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. I just, I want to do nothing for a couple of minutes mm-hmm. but it's a couple of minutes turns into like 30 minutes and that's kind of the problem but it's but it's that control of i don't have to do anything this is my time to do nothing and um but what could i be doing in that time i could be making sure that i get in my night prayer and i can be making sure that i get and you know i you know we talk about we don't need to have a checklist for prayers and things like that but there are things that I want to do before I go to bed to thank God for my day. And but by the time I'm done scrolling, I'm so tired mm-hmm. that I fall asleep during prayer or I fall asleep scrolling and don't mm-hmm. ever make it to prayer. And I would rather, I think I would rather fall asleep 
with the Lord than with, yeah, mm-hmm. Facebook friends. But I think I, I really do see like what you're saying about control being kind of like this root. Mm-hmm. Well, I think like, it all comes down to pride as well. Like we yes. talked about this, like it, it's with the virtues and stuff. It's like it's also intertwined in there. Um, humility being that like countering the pride, but like with control, it's about pride. I am. I think I have the better plan. Or fear. It could be about fear, too. Yeah. Which but is... It's all up to me to make this go the way it needs to go. Sure. Yeah. I definitely I'm afraid have if I don't do it, it'll never get done. Mm-hmm. You know? Or, yeah. Or I know that's my... There's there's that part of me. That abandonment issues that I have mm-hmm. rear up really big when, when I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm like, it is up to me. And if I don't do it, it won't get done. Yeah. And then X will happen, and then Y, and then it's like a... Yeah, we'll see. And I and playing into what you just said, kind of going back also to something else you said about how you uh, want to control kind of like the spiritual progression of those in your family. Mm-hmm. I've definitely experienced yeah. that. Where, you know, like I, I know this thing, and I know how joyful and I know how beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm increasingly knowing it. And... I see these people over here struggling or people who don't know or the people that they think that they hate mm-hmm. God and they hate religion and all this stuff, but they, they hate what they misunderstand. Mm-hmm. And I want to drill it into them. Mm-hmm. And I want, I want their conversion to go my way and I want it to be quick mm-hmm. and to the point. <laughs> and, and when it doesn't happen, I get frustrated. But that's one thing that I've learned is that when I let go and journaling was actually something that really helped me was when I was going through particularly frustrating situations where I couldn't, I didn't really feel like I could really talk much about it, but I needed to keep it between God and I. And um, like, I felt God calling me to do that, even though like it had had to do with like wanting to tell people how to live their lives and how to progress in their spiritual lives. And I thought like, you know, well, I'm trying to help this person. I'm trying to evangelize to them. How could that possibly be bad? But God's like, no. Said every missionary It's like, well, no, actually, I have a particular way that I want yeah. it to happen. And he showed me because I know their heart and you don't. Mm-hmm. So stop pretending like you do. And that's one thing that God has really been showing me um, to increase kind of my trust and try to teach me to let go of control more. Yeah, in particular when it comes to relationships and just other people that he knows their hearts that I don't. And so... By placing my trust in him, he's been showing me increasingly, yeah, like, you know, get all these feelings out by talking to me and by journaling, actually get them out and then see how I work. And it might not be as quick as you want it to be. It's probably not going to be, or it's not going to be the way that you wanted it to be, but you'll start to see it. And I have started to see that. And that's been filtering into other areas of my life where it doesn't necessarily have to do with other people, but situations in my life. Where I'm like, okay, well, I want to handle this particular situation in this way. And I'm learning, no, actually, like God's got control of this because he knows what's going to happen. He knows his plan. I don't. So if I can just step back, let go of control, let go of that pride that I have, that I have everything right. And that, you know, I just need to, I I need to have, I need to be able to make A, B, and C happen. If I can let go of that, God can actually do his work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so always so quick to like tell other people like, oh, you know, you're, you might not see it. And 
you're going to, you know, like just continuing to pray and, uh -huh. you know, and, and stepping back. But then like when it's within my own home, like, you know, it's so hard to not be like, you should just want to love God. <laughs> you <know? Yeah. laughs> but, you know, in my own experience, like in seeing and in my advice, like talking to other people and seeing that, you know, the progress from, you know, has when you let go and like and kind of step back and just kind of work through it like through your prayer and not just in the in your face like I have like I, I know I've seen their fruits well and that makes me think about how you know if we're not going to be able to control how this person actually receives God into their lives or grows in God which we're not going to be able to um to, to control that you were talking about prayer and praying for those people and how important that is because I think it can feel it can sometimes get to the point and I felt it where it feels pointless like I've been praying for this thing for this person over and over and over again and it doesn't seem like anything's happening I'm not mm -hmm. seeing any kind of progress mm -hmm. here but got lots of those yeah, yeah. <laughs> but God, I don't know how God's working in that right. person's life and I can tell them all the apologetics that I want to about why the faith is correct and why you should believe in God and why you should trust God. And I can tell you my experiences. And while there are certainly times and places for that and evangelizing is something that we ought to do out of love for that person and, you know, just saying, you know, yeah, I went to Mass today. It was beautiful. That's an evangelization, evangelization in and of itself. But praying for that person because they are effective. They really are. And um, I, I was listening to uh, somebody speak recently and they were talking about how um, people who are more righteous, people who are more holy, their prayers are more efficacious mm -hmm. and how, oh my gosh, like if that was our goal, not only to grow in Christ so that we can love Christ more so that we can just be more efficacious, effective. Yeah, have him more, we can be more effective for the people that we love mm -hmm. and that we're praying for. That's an amazing goal. And so we can really help people along in that way in terms of their spiritual life. Well, I, just, I, have, and, I, have, I will say that this part. Okay, sorry. Um, there's somebody in my life who has gone in the past four years from yelling at um, another family member when they said that they pray for them. Just, I'll pray for you, just yelling, don't, don't do that, to asking me for their prayers. Like, wow. That's so, awesome. So little by little. Those, uh -huh. those little seeds. Mm -hmm. We well, may not see all of it, but... Well, and I think it's because he, he, God comes in a personal way. Mm -hmm. You know, like he reveals himself in scripture. He reveals himself throughout church history and in the tradition of the church. And we have the responsibility, the obligation to evangelize to other people by showing them love and talking about how God has worked in our lives and things like that. But the reason I think that why we can't force somebody into a conversion, either initial conversion or a deeper conversion, is because we can't work personally in their lives like God can. Like God comes, and I think we've all experienced this multiple times, how God reaches to you in those most intimate ways, those things that are most personal to you in the most gorgeous ways, sometimes painful ways, but the things that are so important and so like I said, so intimate to you. And so that's what he's capable of doing. I can't work in that person's heart that way because I am not God. I don't know their heart like God does. I have a similar story. There is 
this is kind of an interesting thing that is coming together as I'm listening to you guys. There was someone in my family who was repeatedly wounding me. Were they doing it on purpose? It doesn't really matter because it was done in a neglectful way. And so, yes, it was, it was a wound. And it was someone who I thought was progressing in the spiritual life, thanks to all of my good prayers, you know? <laughs> and, and, but they really just kind There's of tanked out or bottomed, there it is, <laughs> uh, bottomed out in my mind. And they turned out and did something like that. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And it just broke my heart. And I was really sad about it, like for months and months. And I kept complaining about it and like, and it was, it was, it was justified. I'm not being, you know, it was something that was a, really, it was, a, it was an issue. But then there was a person who the Lord moved me to tell about the struggle who I never would have told normally, who I felt had not been progressing spiritually at all. And that person took it upon themselves to be an agent of healing in my life with that other issue. And in in the same time that they were doing that, God was drawing that person who I thought was not progressing deeper and closer to me and deeper and closer to himself. By being an agent of my own healing, that person experienced God, the one who I thought wasn't doing so well spiritually. And it was so strange that the way that I felt like my prayers were supposed to go and work and act ended up not doing that at all. It was doing something else. And that's, I say that to say this, every time I follow God down his path in my life, like every time I just let him kind of lead me instead of do my own thing, it always takes me to a place I wouldn't have gone on my own. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the enemy tempts us so much with this control. Because if we were to truly just chase the presence of God and that alone, I think that it would take us in places we never would have gone ourselves. We just never would do it. We just won't. We wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And every time that I look back in my life when I could really sense God, God's presence in those broken places too, like what was said earlier, it's always different than I would have laid out, different than I would have pursued, different than I would have suggested, you know, as a spiritual director or, you know what I mean? So I feel like the entire theme of this podcast in our life is letting go of that and just letting him, just following him where he's already working. Like looking at the people around us and be like, where are you at work, Lord? I'm going to go there. I'm just going to follow you there, wherever I see you working. But not, but not expecting a specific result. I think that that's how, that's where I feel like he's calling me. This Advent is into that place of just letting completely go and letting him just lead me down whatever path he wants, even if it's dark and scary and lonely. And also being, being led into those places that are not beautiful and not being afraid when things aren't perfect and beautiful and right. Somewhere along the lines we've gotten some sort of idea that we have the right to never be inconvenienced or interrupted. <laughs> and I don't know where that comes from because that is completely not the reality in any of the saints' lives. What's well, the reality in my life? Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> Annie is the only one who has never been inconvenienced. But we do. Like, we, well, even no, when we're not. driving or something, like if someone cuts us off, we're like, ah, 
Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> my husband that and I argue about this spot. all the time. <laughs> I'm like, it wasn't personal, babe. Like, she's just driving. <laughs> He's like, right, you know? <laughs> so it's sorry, honey. I had to tell everybody about road rage, <laughs> but like, it's just I think that we really do internalize this a lot. This concept of never having to feel any kind of suffering is my right. It's my goal, and we construct these plans so that it's never difficult for us, mm-hmm. like a Tetris game. You know? How do we battle that? Because I I feel like. It is a battle. <laughs> well, I, that's something that I struggle with um, passing on to my children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, same. Oh, my kids are doing this right back at me. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Super fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I yeah. think it comes from a place of we were made for, we were made to live without the pain and the suffering. Right. We were. You're you right. know, and we're working, we're not, we're not, maybe working is the wrong way, but we don't describe it, but we are meant to go to heaven where there is no pain and suffering and struggle and inconvenience. And so I think that maybe that desire that Mm -hmm. we have is a good desire and that it is leading us to heaven, that that the fulfillment of the desire is in heaven, but we can get so bogged down in our own pride and our own sin that we twist and distort the means by which we achieve that goal. And so therefore the, the, the means and the end and our in our lives right here and now is sinful. It is distorted. It is painful. But if we were to reorient ourselves to okay, actually, God is the one in charge, and that's my goal. That should be my means as well. Well, and that's partially because we're trying to create heaven here. Yeah, the whole and utopia. Like, yeah, the whole utopian idea. But I think it's because also that we forget that heaven is here. It is. Mm-hmm. Constantly, heaven like. Every mass, heaven and earth are united. Every sacrament, heaven and earth are united. It's constantly heaven is already here. Mm-hmm. But because of this desire to be there constantly, we have this distorted view of we mm-hmm. have to create utopia here. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Yeah, well, and not only in every mass do heaven and night, earth unite, but... Every moment of every day, every we are united yeah. in every the church triumphant yeah. by Christ's death and resurrection on the cross, by his redemption. And so we are one church with, but their death doesn't separate us anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I have this quote from Edith Stein that I think if we choose to close here, this might be a really good place to close. Um, this is good for Advent. <laughs> it's... Um, She's talking, I think she's the context here. She's talking about the practice of recollection and going back in to the Lord throughout your day and connecting with him in those times of true deep rest, not scrolling, but that reconnection with him where it's not escapism, but true soul rest. And she says, God is there in these moments of rest and he can give us in a single instant exactly what we need. Then the rest of the day can take its course under the same effort and strain, perhaps, but in peace. And when the night comes and you look back over the day and you see how fragmentary everything has been and how much you planned that has gone undone and all the reasons you have to be embarrassed and ashamed, take everything exactly as it is, put it in God's hands and leave it with him. Then you will be able to rest in him, really rest, 
and start the next day as a new life. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you. Coffee and Catholics is a proud partner of the Smart Catholics Podcast Network. Find new shows to love, meet like-minded Catholics, and join the community at smartcatholics.com.